Triple M's. Oh! That's gone sideways! My word! That has gone sideways! Oh. <laughs> Cricket Fan Podcast. That's right, it's the Triple M Cricket Fan Podcast. We're back uh, reviewing the one-day series. Australia's just knocked off India in. I'm your host, Rudy Edsel. I'm joined by Tommy Beers. G'day, gents. Good to be back. How good's international cricket? Oh, it's the best ever. The best ever. Genuinely thought we weren't going to get any in, in Australia in 2020, but uh, we've, we've done it. Uh, an entire series <laughs> away already. I've also got George Porter on the line. How are you, Ports? Good, boys. And international cricket's great because it means that there's no Sheffield Shield to talk about. <laughs> um, we will we will uh, dive right into the one day series. Um, Australia's won at two one, uh, two pretty comprehensive victories built on the back of uh, Stephen Peter Devereux Smith two times sixty two ball tons. Um, it was like watching the same knock back to back almost. Um, yeah, just, just crazy. It's not like you don't really associate. Smith with uh, like lightning fast white ball tons, but um, he's gone and made the third fastest ton in uh, for Australia in history, and then done it again two days later. Um, what more Twice can you say? About the bloke? What more Incredible. can you say about the bloke? Like some of the shots he was playing, particularly in the first test, the first game, just silly. You think he's got a ceiling, and then he just goes and does something silly like this, and just breaks his own ceiling again, like. We kind of had him pigeon, and I remember when we were talking about the last World Cup that we played, and we're like, "Oh, does he have a spot in the middle order because he just goes too slow?" He's just broken that mold now. Like he was a runner ball player at best, kind of maybe nine. He might make a hundred off ninety balls. That was kind of his limit, and now he's just come out and broken, cracked the top five twice in one week against India, who were full. Sh- like their bowling lineup was as good as they had. Really, they had Boomer, they had Shami, they had. Um, Jadeja and co like there wasn't too many missing and he's just gone and plundered them mm. it's he said uh the day before the series started um he'd found his hands again and uh i said i think what he yeah. meant was uh like I, th- I think what he meant was he'd sort of uh he managed to put his hand eye coordination together again um because he just was unstoppable he he got pretty lucky with a, an overturned drs lb in the first um very yeah, close just, too, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, very, very close. But then he just plundered everything yeah. after that. And he bats so selfishly as well. He only makes hard runs, Steve Smith. Like, he, he failed in the uh, third game when the series is wrapped up. He just, like, he's a phenomenal batsman. He also did this on the back of two weeks quarantine. Now, I assume they've had access to training facilities wherever they did that. But um, as everybody would know, like, no one enjoys... <laughs> the quarantine and just sitting at home. Like, it's not a, it's not perfect preparation as <laughs> leading into a big series and he just made it look so easy. And you're right, Busy. He was always in that mould where he's striking at about 100. And I remember talking about it, you know, this time last year for the World Cup where we kind of had that same middle order, but he's just, you know, completely turned it on again. And I didn't honestly didn't think he, he had it in him. But... <laughs> Here I'm happy go. to be proven wrong. We've pretty much run out of superlatives to Steve Smith. Uh, we could talk about him all day, but I wanted to discuss uh, the the masterclasses that Glenn Maxwell uh, put on. He, We mentioned that, that uh, Steve Smith is a, a selfless bat, but I don't think there's anyone uh, in cricket more selfless than, than Glenn Maxwell. But, um, he just motored along uh, when Australia needed him to come in and really uh, cane some runs in, the, in those games. The 45 yeah. off 19 in the first game. The uh, 63 off 29 in the second, and then 
in the in the last game, he also made fifty nine off thirty eight, nearly got Australia over the line in a tough run chase. Um, he just was uh, again. <laughs> he's another player you could you could talk about. Uh, you, you could talk about forever. He's just he plays on a different plane of existence almost. Yeah, it's it's when he gets in those moods, but also that floating position now where it looks like too often I think previously he's been locked in at five or locked in at six, but now that it looks like they've just got a better understanding of the game situation and just pull the trigger when they're ready to go. I think they've played him beautifully. Yeah, when he gets in those modes, he's un- unstoppable. Like he's you literally can't bowl anywhere to him. He just he just hits him. So. Um, and it's actually funny because he couldn't hit him off the square in the IPL. They said on the coverage the other day he did not hit a single six in the entire IPL, and then he's come back to Australia and done what he's done. That's remarkable. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. He hit um, he hit ten sixes in this tournament in this tournament alone, and um, he pretty much he's just like a a luxury. And like you said, busy. There's no ground that can handle him when he's in that kind of mood. He just was like, he's just so destructive and he can hit the ball to anywhere from anywhere. I don't think I've seen a player with more ability to find um, space on a ground. He's so 360 degrees and that uh, that switch hit that, um, sorry, Ian Chappell, we're going to talk about it. The switch hit that he hit yesterday, 100 metres into the stands um, as a left-hander was astonishing. He nearly hit the ball out of, like he nearly hit the ball out of Canberra itself. Hit the ball to Queen Bee, yeah. <laughs> and it, it just like how does he how does he have the presence of mind and then the ability to execute to be able to swap, swap hands like that and then get under the ball and like so much and with so much strength? I just it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. I can't I can't figure it out. I've never seen a player like him. Yeah, it it's crazy because most players when they swap their hands or try and switch hit they give it away very early and the bowler can kind of adjust their line or whatever. But to him, he's so fast at it and just executes it so well. It's impossible to plan. So, you you know, you bring point up and he just goes bang straight over their head. You put point back and bring square leg up. He just sweeps it or, or slog sweeps it into the crowd. So, yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's fun to watch when he's up and going. He cops a bit of flack when he gets out doing that kind of stuff. But my word, when it comes off, look mm. out. Indeed, um, the big story really of the uh, of the the three match series uh, was the the groin injury to David Warner. He uh, he seems to have pulled his groin pretty bad, um, f- fielding a ball in the bowling innings in the second match. Uh, the first test is I think fifteen days away now, or even two weeks from today. Uh, he injured it uh, three or four days ago. Yeah. Seems unlikely to me that he's going to be able to get up for. Um, for the test, uh, the tests, at least the first test, uh, and it leaves a spot wide open um, in the in the opening uh, the opening position. Justin Langer quite likes the left right hand combo, um, so will we see Pukowski and 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 Joe Burns both right handers playing with each other? What do you guys think? If Pukowski was in line before, then surely he's just straight in now. Um, a Pukowski Burns openings partnership doesn't have the same doesn't have the same strength and feeling that a Warner Pukowski might. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how they both perform under a little bit of pressure, knowing that David Warner is going to come back in a week or two anyway. Mm. So it'd be interesting to see how both of them can handle it. Um, but I, I would have thought that he's straight in. I mean, who else? If Langer likes the left right hand combination, then 
what other options really are there, it seems obvious that Pukowski will come straight in now for me. Hmm. What do you think? Yeah, Izzy? I agree. I think it's going to yeah, it's going to be hard to leave Pukowski out now, particularly because you've named your squad before the injury. So we know that he, you know he was kind of be touch and go whether it was Burns or Pukowski to start, but now they're both in the squad. They're both ready to go. They're both fit. Obviously, Burns is under a bit of a uh, form in a bit of a form slump, but I think um, I think they probably deserve first crack because. Unless you lift a, a left hander up to the top of the order, like um, like Usman oh, Kawaja hasn't been opening the batting, but he hasn't been in like sparkling form either. Matthew Wade oh, probably pull. won't open in Test cricket, so um, yeah, I think they get first crack as much as they'd love a left right. I just think they're going to have to settle for the two right handers. What about... Um, if they're desperate to get left-hander in, they could probably fly in Marcus Harris. He's not in the squad, though. That's true. true. Yeah. Um, there, is a, there is a man out there. I saw Adam Collins tweet this the other day. He's a pretty good record as a test opener. He's left-handed. One, Sean Edward Marsh. <laughs> maybe, they can, uh, <laughs> maybe they can bring parachute him in to, uh, to really shore up the top order there. Uh, somehow I doubt it, though. Um, so, yeah, that's it's the, it's the enduring question for this summer, isn't it? Who replaces... Uh, who replaces Davey Warner at the top there? The rest of the spots are more or less figured out for the Test Series. I thought, like, obviously, Labuschagne and Smith is a golden duo at three and four. Um, do you think Trav Head keeps his spot? Um, does Matty Wade come in uh, at, at six there? Obviously, Tim Payne will be the keeper, and then the bowlers pick themselves. Um, what do you? What do you? What do you think, Beersy? No, I think um, I think Wade and Head will probably get the nod at the start of the summer at least. Um, probably because the bowlers will be a bit fresher. Um, they get a chance to prove themselves. Um, like they've been saying, it's harder to get out of the Australian team than it is to get into the Australian team just because you get so many opportunities. You really need to stuff it up. So they'll get first crack. I wouldn't be surprised if Cam Green got a run later in the summer if the decks are a bit flatter and the bowlers need, if we need an extra bowling option. But um, how I see it at the moment is they'll just go in uh, pretty much how they finished the last summer. Yeah, I tend I tend to agree that um, a- any potential real change-up that they could have gone through, I think, uh, has definitely gone out the window with the injury to Davey Warner. They'll be looking to keep it uh, uh, as sort of... Uh, as 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 uh, compact as yeah. possible. Any? What about you, George? Do you have any different thoughts? You want to bring Cal no, Ferguson I'm, I'm in for example from retirement? <laughs> Green Tom. No, I think <laughs> um, I think it's I think it's fair enough that uh, the Trav Head and Matthew Wade get to start. I mean, you don't have to look. Trav Head did make two tons in the last two Shield games. I mean, I know it's been almost four weeks since the last Shield outing, and there's not going to be any Shield cricket until this test starts. So. Um, I think you've got to start it as it is. Um, and I remember we, when we were talking about it, when the test the test squad came out, it's obviously a bigger test squad, but there's, you know, Cam Green, like you said, Beers is probably the next one who could, they could slot in. It'd be good to see him blooded. It was good to see him play yesterday. I was a bit confused why they played Moses, really, ahead of him um, in that second one-day game. But the other one to watch... Not, not, I mean, we, this would come back to bite us, really, but Mitchell Stark did not bowl well in the one days. He'll get the first crack in the Test match in Adelaide. Pink ball as well, but it'd be, uh, it'd be good to try and see him to find, find his radar after, after those few games. Mm. He is the best pink ball bowler in the world by a, a 
decent margin. So yeah. I'd be, I, I wouldn't be. He's also he's also a kind of player that can put together two or three pretty, uh, pretty average games and then go bang and dominate for yeah. you know like what, pretty what, hard. What, take twelve wickets now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. That happened a couple of summers ago when Warney was really getting stuck into Starkey. And then he came out against, I think we had Sri Lanka as like that second test series and just yeah. wiped the floor with him. And it's like, okay, he's back. Yeah. Yes, I do remember that. Um, the pink ball chest up at the Gabba. Um, yeah, he's, he, I think Stark, it doesn't, he doesn't particularly worry me. The bowlers are not a problem for Australia. You just no. almost yeah. set and forget. Nathan Lyon's going to, I feel like, probably get to his 400th wicket in this, um, <laughs> in this series down here. Um, I was super impressed. Uh, with Josh Hazelwood in the one-day series. He was comfortably Australia's best bowler, I thought. And um, it just, it's so difficult for uh, India to get on top of. Um, he's come a, a long way from, he didn't remember, he wasn't in, involved in the uh, 2019 World Cup squad um, and has been dropped before. And he's just, he's such a vital bowler for Australia. He's, you can make an argument for any of Australia's bowlers to be their most important or their best. It's, um, they're, they're that good and they're that even as a group. Yeah, I often thought that Australia's bowling lineup never really, in the one day, has never really had that change of pace bowler. Or you see with England, who won the World Cup, they've got a completely different bowling lineup to their Test team. And I wondered if that was the path that maybe Australia was going to take. And obviously, Stark and Cummins are hard to drop, and you kind of just rotate that third bowler. But Josh Hazelwood, like he said, really was outperforming a lot of them. So. My only, my only concern is I just hate the, the huge workload that playing both tests and one days might bring um, yeah. if there's any detriment to your performance. But, yeah, it was awesome. Mm. Mm. I reckon we tried to play around with that kind of theory that our white ball bowlers should be different to our test bowlers. Like, we, we went through that that weird kind of phase where we were giving, like, Andrew Ty played a heap of games Berendorf played a lot of games like in India and stuff. Jai Richardson got a got a good run. Like, um, I think we tried to find that answer, but it, at the end of the day, it just came back to our best bowlers just play red ball cricket as well because they're guns. Like, yeah, that's what it came back. To. Yes, the, the bowling depth we have here in this uh, country is quite quite ridiculous indeed. Uh, I think. Pretty much does it for the the one day series. Um, the T Twenty start tomorrow, I believe, and we're not that far away from the the tests as well. Uh, very exciting times. I can't wait for for the tests to start. So yeah, we're two weeks exactly from the day nighter at Adelaide, um, racing against time. Poor old uh, Davy Warner, but uh, yeah, it's a a, a seriously exciting summer. <laughs> Poor old Davy, our heart bleeds for him. <laughs> <laughs> well, our batting order bleeds for him, mate. He's still. Um, you know, so what you want about him as a bloke. He, he makes a lot of runs in Australia. He does, yeah. indeed. Um, and it's, yeah, it's. he also missed the last series against India, so that's um, that's a pretty tough one for him. Hopefully uh, hopefully he can play at least uh, one test. It'd be nice to see him uh, in front of 25,000 screaming fans on Boxing Day. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that just about does us, lads. Um, it's... Yeah, the only other thing, Roots, is that yeah. the, new, the news that just came out briefly was that Johnny Bairstow's out of the Big Bash now that England has snapped him up for some reason. Yeah, I'm um, I'm flat about that because I'm flat about that because he's one of my favourite players to watch when he gets going, Johnny. Yeah, um, and if you've seen the social post of the New Zealand uh, 
cricket pitch that they're playing against the West Indies. It is like a fairway on the golf course, and somehow Tom Latham has made it through the first over. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got a, I've got it on now. Uh, Shannon Gabriel's just smashed into Young's pads, and uh, it looks a pretty good shout. I think the Windies are reviewing it, but um, it's a, it's a seriously green top. It could be the greenest pitch I've ever seen at any level of cricket, including playing literally like in my backyard. So anyway, that will do us for the Triple M Cricket Fam podcast for this week. Keep tuning in over the summer and we'll keep uh, be coming back into your ears So and uh, previewing, reviewing every piece of cricket because we just love it so much. Thanks for listening.